Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of That's What She Said, which I'm calling Pay Me Damn It. I'm killing two birds with one stone. I was just teaching this class and apparently the audio was terrible due to some sort of epic phone fail. So fine, I'm just making it a podcast available to everyone and it will also make the people who have listened very, very happy. So, uh, pay me damn it, seven exercises for introverts and extroverts and humans in general to make money appear. First, thank you for listening. Second, if you could do me the honor of listening completely, meaning that you're doing just one thing instead of like 82 things, that you'll be able to take more in and it will generally have uh, more benefit for you. Three, that's what she said, episodes are usually 15 minutes or less. This one's going to ring in at about an hour, um, so feel free to pause at any point and come back. I will be speaking for about 30 to 40 minutes, and then there's a ton of questions that other people have asked that I'll be going through. And uh, if you've heard any of this before, hang in there. I understand if you've heard it before, but it's not the first time you hear something that it really sort of sinks in. Uh, Sometimes it takes the 10th or 20th or like 7,000th time. Like how many times have you heard that you need to drink more water and you still don't do it because that's just the nature of things. So moneymaker number one in pay me damn it, seven exercises for humans to make money appear is to stop cock blocking the universe. Cock blocking means uh, when you are a single person and you are a hot guy or girl at a bar and you see a hot guy or girl across the room and you're like, I'm gonna go make a move on that person and the asshole friend with you goes over and like, blam, makes the move, takes the girl, takes the guy, takes them home, that's cock blocking. Whether it happens to you as a female or a male, doesn't matter, cock blocking. So why would you be cock blocking the universe with regards to money? Like you're an entrepreneur, you want to make money, yes? But there are these things that you do that's like, yeah, but I'm just going to kind of deflect money. Um, And that's cock blocking. Maybe you're afraid that making more money means that you're somehow going to change. Like if you make six or seven figures, you're going to somehow like sprout horns or become some sort of racist, sexist, no good, very bad asshole, right? Or maybe you think you just don't deserve money. Or maybe you don't trust yourself to make more money because if you are poor when you, or if you're make poor decisions when you've got like 800 bucks what are you going to do when you have 80,000 bucks right 
or you're caught in a pattern of just getting by and that's how you're the most comfortable. So you just keep just getting by. Or you're actually quite secure in letting your partner pay the majority of the bills and you quote unquote just make fun money, so why bother making any more? Those are all reasons you might be at a subconscious level kind of pushing money away and not letting it flow in your direction. But here's the thing. Money only gives you the ability to be more you. If you're already a selfish prick, you will get more selfish and more prickish. If you are already an asshole, you'll get assholier. So those people that have proven that people that drive BMWs are more aggressive, they were aggressive before they bought the BMW, not the other way around. It's not because they have an expensive car that they drive like an asshole. They drove their freaking Ford Fiestas in 1982 like assholes as well. If you're a generous soul, you're gonna get more generous because you can afford to make donations without worrying about whether your kids will have shoes. If you're already fun, you're just gonna buy the inflatable Jurassic Park setup and the inflatable dinosaurs for your epic movie night screen instead of having to choose. That's all that's gonna happen. You're just gonna become more you. That's all money does, that's all money exacerbates. Further, it's my argument that you deserve to be paid for doing the work you do. You deserve to not be stressed right the fuck out about money for 80% of every day. And you deserve for people to see your work. Whatever it is, your work looks like the only work that you can do in the world, or the work that only you are capable of bringing into the world. Cool? In business, cock blocking can look like a lot of different things, and it hides a lot so that you don't even know that it's a problem. Um, it might look like waiting until you have zero dollars before you start promoting your next product, service, or event. So you know when you're running out of money, and you know that you have exactly three days before shit's gonna hit the fan and you're gonna need more. So you start promoting like 24 hours before you're out of money. What comes with that is this reeking of desperation and people can sense that and it's not good or flattering for your business. So people don't book just because it reeks of desperation. It has nothing to do with the offer that you're making. Or maybe your form of cock blocking looks like competing on price instead of on what really sets you apart. And I don't mean this in like the stereotypical, like what really sets you apart is that you, I don't like you dance on chandeliers at parties or something. I just mean that if you bring it down to this person's $200, this person's $199, I'm gonna go for the people that wanna pay $199, you are engaged in a race to the bottom. That's not interesting to me, that's not interesting to the way that you get paid appropriately, and so it's cock blocking the universe to compete at that level without any other levels on top of it or around it. Or you judge people who make more money than you as snotty or entitled or as sellouts. So you will never be that which you have decided is terrible. And so if you've decided that having more money is terrible, then you're not ever going to be that person. It's just the way it is. Um, you're letting, you might be letting competitors inspire your marketing instead of you inspiring your marketing. So you keep an eye out in the industry. You're always looking sideways. You see what he's doing, what she's doing, what they're doing, and you just tweak what he's doing, what she's doing, and what they're doing to make it your own. But it doesn't really feel right. It doesn't feel like you. And how does that work out? It doesn't really. Or you might be cock-blocking the universe 
by doing no personal work and only paid work. So you are running on inspirational fumes. Your work is kind of lackluster. It starts this kind of vicious cycle of lackluster, 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 and you spiral down and you're not excited about your work. So other people are not excited about your work either. Finally, and this is probably the most common, you don't follow up with people who contact you or you wait longer than is strictly necessary because you let that email or voicemail linger, right? So they call and you read the email, but you don't email back for a good 48 to 72 hours. Or they call and you are sitting there watching the phone ring, they leave a voicemail, you listen, you don't call back right away. That's a good solid form of cock blocking. And we're gonna talk about that later, but I know you do it, you can't hide. So your job or your mission is to catch these habits as they come up. It takes a whole great amount of effort to stop blocking money from reaching you in all of these ways, but it's really powerful to identify the ways that you're shooting yourself in the foot. There's a lot of self-sabotage that goes into running your own business that you're like, I'm gonna grow, it's gonna be amazing. And then you grow and you're like, oh God, and you pull back. So there's expansion and there's contraction. And contraction often involves making less money and then not knowing how to move into the expansion portion of your life again, right? So your job first is to catch yourself doing this and then stop doing it. If you watch the person go to voicemail, call them back right away. You don't have to wait 24 to 48 to 72 hours to one week to call them back. Second, define enough. So the, when we're talking about money, it can always lead to, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. That never ends. That never, ever, ever, ever ends because you can always have more money. Your job is to define enough with dollars and with cents and a solid number. Depending on where you're living, that might mean that you only have to make $1,000 a month and that's enough. It might be 2,000, it might be 12,000. It might be that you have someone supplementing your income, so you are the person who pays for summer camps and things like that, which is, would be at the lower end. It might be that you have to pay for absolutely everything yourself and you need to make $14,000 a month. If that's what enough looks like, awesome. I just need you to know that enough is a number and so you can stop in the constant pursuit of more that's gonna take away energy without providing any more satisfaction. Do you feel like you have enough money currently? is a question that's worth answering. Do you feel like you have enough and you're sort of in, engaged in the pursuit of more and there's a frenetic energy around that? Or is it like, dude, I'm good actually, if I stop and think about it. Or actually, I'm only $400 away, that's not so bad. What would having enough money look and feel like? P.S. More is not the answer. Having enough money, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Where does that live in your body? What should be eliminated immediately so you can enjoy the money that you do have even more? So there's that activity on Saturdays that you hate doing that you signed up for. Can you eliminate that and instead go and enjoy a day at the movies with all the popcorn you can possibly eat? What should be added so you can enjoy the money you do have even more? What is it that you can truly afford to do and you're just not letting yourself do? Start there, that's interesting. If you're an introvert, watch out for this one. Someone offers to pay you for something, fill in the blank, let them. So I recently uh, met a person, she's lovely, and she figured out that she has these really great abilities, and actually, she's a little bit psychic. And um, so 
letting people pay her for readings feels like cheating. And I was like, just start by charging five bucks, see how that feels. Maybe this is a skill that you will never be paid for, but my sense is that you have to get paid for it first before you can know that. So let people pay you when they offer. And then for an extroverts, collaborations are everywhere. Find them, make them up, ask for them, collaborate. If you want to see someone who's really good at this, I would recommend looking at um, dog-eared jewelry and Danielle Laporte. They have a really great collaboration happening. I'm currently wearing one of their necklaces. Um, it's really beautiful and it's really like she is, Danielle is in her zone doing kind of spiritual stuff. Dog-eared makes jewelry all the time. They work together. They make it happen. Ta-da, 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 right? More money for everyone. Money maker number two, make busy a bad word. So people, you know that I'm willing to say all the bad words. I will say shit and damn and hell and piss and fuck and it's no problem. But busy, I will not use in the course of my everyday life. If you ask me how I'm doing, the answer is never going to be busy, even if my next 48 hours are scheduled nonstop so that I have no sleep. It's just a personal threshold that I hold for myself that it's not gonna happen. And this might not seem like a money-making item on the agenda. Like, why are you talking about this, Kristen? What does being too busy have to do with anything? Here's what it means. If your business magically morphs into some sort of military-grade operation, like you have to fly a solo mission of the utmost importance over Japan tonight, and the fate of the free world rests in your hands, do you have enough fuel to get there, or do you crash and burn? If your whole business, you imagine as you were in a plane and you're looking at all those switches and lights and bobbles at the front of the plane as a pilot, how many lights on that dashboard are blinking? In practical terms, that means taking stock of everything that's going on in your life at the moment. We can't pretend your current financial status doesn't affect your personal life or vice versa. These questions I'm about to ask will sort you out uh, exactly where you stand. And if you say yes, or it's like, oh, yeah, okay, uh, or it's been more than, in most cases, a week since the thing that I ask, then that's one blinking light. So just keep track as we go through. One, how many times in the last week have you said you're busy? If it's more than once, it's a blinking light. Two, do you feel overwhelmed, out of control, freaked out, or stressed the majority of the time? If yes, it's a blinking light. Three, do you feel depressed, lethargic, or like you just don't give a shit the majority of the time? If yes, it's a blinking light. Four, do you consistently follow up with clients when they inquire about your products or services? Keyword, consistently. If you don't, it's a blinking light. Five, do you have a client you'd like to get rid of, but you haven't disentangled yourself yet? If you do, it's a blinking light. Six, when's the last time you achieved inbox zero? If it's been more than a month, it's a blinking light. Seven, how many things have you been quote unquote meaning to outsource, but you haven't gotten around to it yet? If you have more than one, blinking light. Eight, how many programs or products are sitting on your hard drive waiting for your attention? More than one, blinking light. Nine, do you make time to advance and progress your business or are you treading water? Blinking light. 10, do you have any projects, pieces, or kits at home that you haven't yet installed, crafted, put together, or paid someone else to handle? I'm talking to that pile of shame in your garage. It's all like, yeah, I'm gonna get to that someday. If you have one of those, it's a blinking light. 11, is your partnership, I'm sorry, your partnership uh, strained, stressed, or being swept under the rug because you're too busy to handle it? If yes, it's a blinking light. 
12. When's the last time you hung out with friends or family members because you wanted to, not because you had to? If it's been more than a month, it's a blinking light. 13. This is self-care related. You'll get the idea. When's the last time you got a haircut, a facial, a pedicure, a massage, um, that other thing you really don't want me to list here, whatever it is that you need for personal care? If it's been more than about six weeks, it's a blinking light. 14. When did you last take a vacation? If it's been more than six months, it's a blinking light. 15. When did you last spend 24 hours without your phone? If it's been more than six months, it's a really big blinking light. 16. When did you last work out three times in a single week? You can decide if it's a blinking light or not. 17. When did you last have a date with your partner? And 18. When did you last spend a day not achieving on purpose. So like being at the airport and being stuck there, not the same as I took a day off and I consciously created a space to not achieve anything. The goal is to have less than five lights blinking at any given time. And that's not me asking for perfection. I just don't want you to be in this sort of mayday, mayday, mayday sort of situation. Good things don't come out of that. If you're in the 10 to 18 blinking lights range, which is where most people I talk to fall, a couple of things. One, you have to ask for help. Two, you have to ask for help. And three, you have to ask for help. I tend to attract ultra-independent, overachieving types, and I know we do not like to ask for help, but it's only by being vulnerable enough to ask that you can get yourself out of the mayday, mayday, constantly overwhelmed status you're currently sporting, which gives you more space and time and energy to work on your business, which leads to making more money in your business. When all the lights on your dashboard aren't blinking like a crashing plane's control panel, you'll have more time to do your real work in the world, not the busy work that eats up your time and energy, but doesn't actually make you any money. So those questions are a whole list of things to address that are worth considering in your pursuit of making more money. But there are all these other things that affect your money making and we can't pretend that there's a magical line that is like, oh, this is the delineation between my personal life and my business life. Nope doesn't exist. If you are an introvert, I encourage you to make time to do your work alone because you know that's how you work best. Schedule unplugged focus time every day that does not involve time for Facebook or email or Instagram or any of the shiny distracting things that don't make you money. And if you're an extrovert or just an introvert with people pleasing tendencies, don't say yes to everything because you feel guilty or you need to people please. Say no, say no, say no, say no, say no. I know it's hard, but say no. Moneymaker number three, sweep your inbox for dollars. This is actually really simple. You're gonna sweep your inbox for every inquiry, question, or sign of interest you've received in the past three months. Have you sincerely and persistently followed up with every single one of them? As an entrepreneur who sells products or services or both, you inevitably have people who ask questions or respond positively to your work, but they don't actually buy anything. Nor do they say, I'm not interested. They just kind of float away, never responding to an email, text, or phone call, and then nothing happens because that's what floating does. Over the course of the last three months, you might have three people this floating thing applies to, or you might have as many as a hundred, I don't know, but we tend to avoid following up with these people. We don't want to feel pushy. This is the game. We're going to follow up with these people. We're gonna check in, we're gonna see how they're doing, and we're gonna say three things. One, how are you, how's it going? 
If you know this person in any capacity, say more personal things. Use the names of their dogs and their kids and their wives and their husbands and their lovers and their mother-in-laws, right? Uh, the less the email feels like it's been copied and pasted, the better off you're going to be. Two, I just wanted to see if you have any questions about your product or service here, right? Whatever they've inquired about, you're just checking in to see if they have any questions. And three, because I really want you to hop on board and pick up your product or service, here's a 24-hour promotion that's only applicable to you at this moment. So that's a promo code, that's a discount, that's an incentive of some kind. Can't wait to hear from you, your name. You customize it for each person who's been floating in your inbox and send your promotions out right now. Don't delay, don't say you'll do it later. If you have time to listen to this, you have time to do this at the end. Or right now, just ignore the next thing I'm gonna say, it's fine. So if you're an introvert, you feel free to follow up with these inquiries via email. That's still gonna feel really vulnerable. If you are an extrovert, feel free to follow up with inquiries via phone or in person, totally cool as well. Regardless, your job is to get a firm yes or a firm no from the people involved. Moneymaker number four, start following up on the regular. Whether we're talking about your inbox, your voicemail, your snail mail, your Instagram comments, your Facebook feed, you're inevitably gonna find three kinds of people as you go about your business days. Those who buy your product, those who have no interest in your product, and those who are on the fence about what you offer, people who are quote unquote, thinking about it. It's the last group that we need to talk about most because they are the most likely to trip you up. First, we both know they're not thinking about it. They are not sitting at home hemming and hawing about buying your stuff. They're just throwing up a blocker excuse to hide the real reason they haven't purchased yet. Or, otherwise possible, psychologically speaking, they could be so overwhelmed by decision-making that they've opted to not make a decision. It's a common response. It's really easy to put off buying any products or services that aren't absolutely vital for survival. It's your job to stop thinking about it dead in its tracks. Here are 10 things people mean when they say, I'm thinking about it. This is just good to know, good insight. One, I'm embarrassed that I even want this. Two, buying this feels selfish. I've already spent so much money. Three, this money could be used for blank instead. Four, I'll do it later when I have blank all figured out. Five, I want to buy, but I'm scared. Six, I wanna say yes, but money is tight. Seven, I'm afraid someone I love will make fun of this choice. Eight, I'm tired of spending money and energy on things that only end up disappointing me. Nine, I don't believe this will be as amazing as you say it will. And 10, I don't want what you're offering, but I don't wanna hurt your feelings either. These reasons are often painful, so you don't wanna go blasting through, I'm thinking about it with an email that starts, stop being so embarrassed about buying my stuff, or your husband is a douche for not wanting you to buy more of my stuff, or just stop being scared already, right? There's no need to go all caps lock screaming in email, and it won't work anyway. Maybe you'll get to the real reason behind thinking about it, maybe you won't. It doesn't mean you give up, it just means you're clued into a range of possibilities about what's really going on in the mind of your potential customer. Your first inclination is to take, I'm thinking about it as an answer. I'm thinking about it even feels like an answer, so you're tempted to leave that person who's thinking alone. Only at some point, the thinking has to end. It's your job to end thinking about it with the F word, follow up. Follow up, I know, is a straight up sales word and it might send you off to dry heave for a moment. And I know you don't wanna check in on people who've inquired about your services, your products to see if they have any more questions. You don't wanna quote unquote bother them or sound like a used car salesman or be pushy. I know, 
only, follow-up is not a dirty word. Following up is as simple as telling a person when you're going to follow up, say 24 hours, 72 hours, or a week, and then checking in at the time you said you would. If you can say, hey, just wondering if you had any other questions for me about blank, you can follow up with your potential customers. They'll be reminded to bring you back onto their radar. You're more likely to get either a yes or a no. Either way, follow-up brings an end to your voyage through murky, undecided waters, so we'll call it a win. If you are an introvert, again, it is totally okay to follow up via email. It is entirely possible, though, that, that following up via phone will be more effective just because it's more human. We can hear a tone of voice. You're much more likely to listen to me on uh, this podcast than you are uh, via writing because you can hear my voice a little better. It's just the way of humans. Following up is covered pretty extensively, complete with really nifty customizable scripts in Introverts at Work, which is the program designed to help you unleash your business flavor on the world while not treating things like follow-up as this bad word that you avoid like the plague. Not that you would ever do that. I, I, I mean, how could I suggest such things? You can check it out at brandcampblog.com slash introverts at work and promo code MONEYMAKER takes $100 off for the next 48 hours as a thank you for listening. Moneymaker number five, go for the little wins and get grateful. Here's the thing. If you are listening to this, you are lucky enough to already have a bunch of money at your disposal. Let me explain. Uh, once I was challenged by a colleague to gather up all the money and all the non-bill money that I had in my life. That meant I went through and I found all of my gift cards to restaurants, to Amazon, to, let's, let's be honest, that was already gone. There was like four cents on there. Um, to uh, like a yoga studio, all of my Groupons, all that kind of a thing. And then um, I took my coin jar, which was just full of spare change, to the grocery store where you can use the magical Coinstar machine to turn it into a gift card. So I ate dinner, it was all fancy that week. I got myself a $56 Amazon gift card just because I paid attention to what I already had. Especially when you feel yourself contracting, you feel like you're broke, you feel like you don't have enough. This is a really good exercise in seeing what you already have and then getting grateful for it. So gather your gift cards, your certificates, your vouchers, use them, cash in your airline points to go somewhere, call in favors, turn your coin jar into a gift certificate, become an affiliate for your favorite products or programs. It's actually really simple in most cases. Appreciate what you already have and then revel in that act of gratitude. So if you are an introvert, schedule time to use those gift cards. Be like, yeah, tomorrow we're going there for dinner because gift cards. And if you're an extrovert, feel free to call in favors, like actually literally call people and be like, that time I bought you dinner, you should buy me dinner because I want to see your face. Moneymaker number six, treat your past clients like the gold that they are. When I run into people who are having trouble filling spots or who just want to fill some last three places before the end of the month or whatever it is, I ask them whether they have a referral program for past clients already in place. Inevitably, the answer is no. Um, your past clients are the easiest to market to, the easiest to sell to, and the easiest to maintain relationships with. Instead of chasing the ever-elusive new client like you would a unicorn, consider working with your past customers to build your business. Whether you're selling coaching or photography, art prints or fancy slippers, your peeps can either rehire you or repurchase your services or refer you to others who need your services. 
provide them with an incentive for doing just that. So here's where it falls down. If you say, when you refer me, you get like a $5 off your next purchase. Nobody gives a shit. You want this purchase thing that they get to be a unit in and of itself, and you want it to feel damn freaking valuable. So my friend John is a high-end wedding photographer. Here's what happens. Uh, if you refer one wedding to him, you get a portrait session with him completely free. It's like a $750 value. If you refer two portrait sessions to him, you get all of the digital files from that first session. And if you refer three weddings to him, you get two tickets to anywhere in the US Southwest flies. So object one is okay, two is great, and three is magnificent. You can do that with your customers at any sort of scale. It doesn't have to be that big and grand to be like one is okay, two is great, three is exceptional, no matter what it is that you're selling. You're actively taking the time to say thank you so much. And when you spread the word about me, you will be rewarded in kind. If you are an introvert, it's okay if that's a snail mail based or internet based thing. If you're an extrovert, like, like John is, uh, his activity also involves seeing them again, which just feeds him more energy and that's the way he is. If you're an introvert, it's totally cool if that is not in your wheelhouse. Moneymaker number seven, this is the last one. It's the biggest and the hardest and I've been talking for half an hour, here we go. Stop hiding. In practical terms, to stop hiding means to make and follow a marketing calendar. You would think that being seen would be a given for any entrepreneur who's building a business, but most of my peeps, and I'm guessing it's you too, avoid it like the plague. I know you're afraid of letting people see you. You're afraid they'll judge you or hate you or send you nasty emails or tell everyone you suck or otherwise berate you. I know. And yet, tough. It's time to stop hiding. I know that's not easy. I know it's not easy to be willing to be seen, but it is the next step. Are you ready for your business to be embraced, beloved, and generally chatted up like a Kardashian at a champagne mixer in Vegas? Conversely, are you willing for your work to be brushed over, ignored, or misunderstood? You've got to be ready for both sides of the coin when you decide to let your work, your business, your products, and your services truly be visible. When you stop hiding, you consistently tell the world what you're up to, you promote your work on the regular, and you collaborate only when it's interesting and fun instead of when it's a quote-unquote sure thing, but it leads only to more money, not to more energy or joy or time in your life. You also consistently create something worth seeing. A daily, weekly, or monthly promotion is a great place to start being seen, which means you need a marketing calendar. Whether you've got your Instagram hashtag, a regular blog posting schedule, killer email marketing campaigns, a referral letter writing regime, or a series of networking events in which you pimp your wares harder than a Venetian with a surplus of blown glass in Renaissance Italy, it's your job to create something worth seeing in a marketing capacity. Also, just as humans, we need reminders that you're alive, that you're creating, and that you're a consummate professional who will blow our minds when it's our turn to work with you. Show us what you've created. Tell us what we can get by working with you. Let us fall in love with the clients who love you by sharing testimonials. Help us hire you by telling us how many spots you have left. Reward us for booking in your off-season with prizes, extras, and delights. Those are incentives. Finally, celebrate. 
If you've made your corporate salary in the course of a month or even 11 and a half months instead of 12, fucking hold a jello wrestling party for all your friends. Go skinny dipping in an exotic locale. Eat only ice cream for a whole day and then get a three-hour massage. Or race your friend at go-karts and then play arcade games until you run out of quarters. And then move the bunk beds to make room for doing more activities like stepbrothers. Don't give the finger to the universe. Let the powers that be know you're grateful, you're enjoying what you've got, and you aren't going to waste your good fortune by adding more zeros to your savings account and then quietly going about doing your work in exactly the sort of way you do every day. It robs both you and your colleagues, friends, loved ones, and family members of the opportunity to celebrate the good that life has to offer. Because contrary to what you might be thinking and whatever your brain tells you when you're hiding and you're afraid to come out, we want to celebrate the good with you. We want your business to flourish. We want your life to have meaning. We want to see your artwork on walls and your products in stores and your calendar all booked out and your pockets full of quarters at Chuck E. Cheese while you pump that skee-ball machine full of them. We want good things for you. Help us give them to you. Schedule one promotion per month for the next 12 months, then roll them out and make them happen. As you think about the promo you're going to make, you want to give your people a reason to act, give them a time frame in which to act, and create promos that you would actually buy. So a reason to act is an incentive of some kind. It might be a bonus, like here's an extra product I'm going to throw in. It might be a discount, here's 10% off my services. It might be a combination of the two. A time frame to act, 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, one week, one month, by the end of the month and then a promo you would actually buy, which I can't tell you what that is. Ah, so sometimes it's easy to take 200 bucks off a product or 10% off a service, but you're just creating sales noise. If it isn't compelling to your people, it won't work. And you're gonna be all like, your advice blows, Kristen. When really, your people just aren't motivated by a discount or by whatever it is that I'm suggesting. They might be motivated by novelty, like getting an inflatable unicorn with purchase, or by having it all done for them, like having hair and makeup included with a photo session, or mystique, like receiving some sort of mystery prize valued at $300 with purchase. You've got to rack your brain and think, what would make me buy this item, then offer that item to your peeps. So when we talk about introverts at work and all the things that we do there, it's a lot of deep work talking about making boundaries and keeping them and marketing in a way that feels good and right and talking about your work in a way that's honest and compelling and that isn't hiding. But it's also about what would make me buy it is I get time with the person who created the program in the first place. So in past iterations, you got 15 minutes with me. We could do a lot in 15 minutes but now we do two half hour sessions with me. So basically, um, we've just talked, I've just talked for half an hour. What we can get done in half an hour is amazing. You do one session at the beginning, another half an hour at the end of the program, and in between, you are being held accountable for doing your work in the world, because I hold people accountable like nothing else. So yes, you can have a discount, $100 off with promo code MONEYMAKER, but more importantly, you get to work with me individually, which is the one thing that I want out of every program that I buy online. I want to work with the creator one-on-one -on -one and get to know them and get feedback and accountability. So that's what I did for you guys. So we talk about wooing and all that good stuff. We talk about being on the right path, phoning it in, marketing, what it's actually like to be an introverted entrepreneur 
in Introverts at Work, which takes place in June. There's only a couple of spots left, so I encourage you to head to brandcamplog.com slash work, and we will talk about all the things, um, mostly about making your business more you and more ideally suited to your unique talents. So it's not about the business you think you should have or the business that your mother-in-law wants to have or the one that you just have been creating but it doesn't feel right. It's about making a business that feels good all the way down to your toes and deep in your bones. Because even when that business is going poorly, it's still better than the business that is kicking ass but that is a lie. Sue, promo code MONEYMAKER, takes $100 off for the next 48 hours, and there is a three-month payment plan, brandcampblog.com slash introverts at work, and it is question time. Here we go. Kate in Toronto says, any suggestions for convincing people to pay when I'm really, really late in sending out my bill, like over a year after the work was done? I'm embarrassed to even send a bill at this stage, and I'm not sure how to handle it. Um, people say they shouldn't have to pay now, or they want a discount. I'm inclined to give the discount. Uh, I know the ideal is to bill in a more timely way, but since I can't turn back the clock on these bills, I'd appreciate your input. Here's my thought. Just consider that these people can just turn down your, your billing at this point. Um, not because they should, but because they're human. And so if we want to be to zero, I think it's absolutely worth just preemptorily offering a discount to say, hey, if you pay within 24 hours, you get this price. Within 48 hours, you get this price. Within one week, you get this price. Obviously, the steeper discount is for paying faster and offering that by way of an apology for taking so long to bill. I think preemptively doing that is super smart and is much more likely to get you a positive reaction of any kind. Karen in Richmond says, do you have a trick for me in selling my fine art canvases? So I'm assuming that you are an artist of some kind and you're producing something that is replicable, meaning you're not a portrait photographer who is selling to just one person, like there's just one family that's interested. Um, there are, that you are selling like pictures of, I don't know, dragonflies or oceans or something like that. Um, the first thing to look around is if you're having trouble selling a product, would I buy this product? And you can say, yes, I would buy this product, but look around your house. Do you have canvases all around your house or do you have framed things all around your house? Because if you're a frame person, you don't switch camps. If you're a frame person, you're a frame person. So offer things in frames. If you're a canvas person, have you photographed them really beautifully on your website? Have you shown them to people in person? Do you offer an incentive for selling just what you want to sell with your canvases? Those are all questions to consider as you move forward. Uh, G says, I have been trying to raise my prices for my products. I'm also trying to figure out just who my ideal customer really is. My question is, does a higher price attract a quote unquote better customer? Thank you. The answer is most definitely no. I know that's shocking to hear. Um, just because you raise your prices doesn't mean you're going to attract anyone different. So charging $100 versus $300 or $100 versus $1,000, you're not necessarily going to get a better client as a result of raising your prices. You will get a better client as a result of coming out and telling them who they are, as a result of telling them who they are not. For example, people that listen to this podcast are not easily offended by swear words. They are not easily offended by uh, comedians saying funny things or by sarcasm. They are likely to laugh at a that's what she said joke. They tend to be ocean people, meaning the ocean is a life-giving force that they do not approach with any fear. 
They tend to feel all the feels. Uh, they tend to have businesses that are art-based in some capacity, and they tend to have businesses, uh, my people, that, are, um, that aren't just sort of like, oh, I buy this thing and then I mark it up by 20 times and I sell it again. Like, we're not just, like, I, you know, I buy candles for a dollar, I sell them for $20 is what I do. That absolute lack of enthusiasm is not a characteristic of my people. So telling your people who they are and who they are not is much more important than just raising your prices and hoping that that gets you, quote-unquote, better clients. Further, you teach people how to treat you. So in a, the case of boundaries, if you're tr letting people treat you poorly, it doesn't matter whether they're coming at you with 10 bucks or $10,000. If you're teaching them to treat you poorly, they're gonna keep treating you poorly. If you teach them that that's not okay, you will hold a boundary there and they will either submit, meaning they'll do what you want them to do, or they'll go away. Either of those choices are fine, but no, just, just simply a higher price doesn't attract a better customer. There's other work you have to do. You have to go internal and decide who you're serving and how, and you have to externally say, these are the boundaries around which I have my business. You may not do this, you may not do this, you may do this. Totally cool, and totally, by the way, boundaries are something that we address in Introverts at Work in detail, because it's super important to have, and everyone sort of brushes over it as if it isn't an important step, and it totally is. It can change everything about the ways that you feel about your clients, especially if you've come to resent them or be bitter toward them or just be like, oh, someone else is contacting me to give me money. Note that. That's important to notice. Kim in St. Louis says, here's my horror story about getting paid. I thought I did a good job of educating this client. 16-year-old girl and her mom, they came in for a voucher with a free shoot with hair and makeup and $100 toward prints, which started $200. Sent them the info several times, talked about it several times. They came in and had an awesome shoot. When they returned to view their portraits, they loved them and had to have them all. It's a $2,000 sale. Mom says she'd like to do a payment plan. I tell her I need two credit cards. She doesn't use credit cards. She buys everything with cash, and she'd like to make her payments in person and pay cash each time. No problem. I just need a 10% discount. She doesn't have any money with her and wants to, meet, wants to make the first payment in cash the following week after she gets her next paycheck. Okay. I take off work at my day job early to meet her. She's a no-show. I call. She says next Friday. So I take off work early again and again, no-show, only now I can't get a hold of her. She signed an agreement to make these payments, but I'm not going to take her to court or anything. She hasn't collected any images. She knew she'd have to pay in full before receiving anything. I just want to know if I can save this. What should I say to her and how? So that last question was not set up to set up this question. But again, this is about boundaries. So you're making an exception for her when she says uh, payment plans require two credit cards. She doesn't use credit cards. Exception number one. When you say, okay, great, I just need a 10% deposit. She doesn't have any money currently. Exception number two. When you say, okay, great, then I just need you to um, give me payment in cash and I'll meet you. And she doesn't show. Exception number three. Taking off work to meet her again. Exception number four. Taking off work to meet her again. Exception number five. Not being able to get in contact with her or take her money. Exception number six. This woman is walking all over you and you are like going out of your way to let it happen. Like I, I, I'm going to take off work to let you no show on me. If you want to make an exception because you love a person, awesome. If someone is just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, the answer is no, I'm sorry. You have to pay with two credit cards or via check and you can't do it in person. Like there's a mail system for a reason. I don't have the time or energy to drive 30 minutes to sit in a parking lot and wait for you to exchange dollars. 
So you teach people how to treat you. You teach people how to navigate your boundaries. And currently, you're doing a really poor job of it, which is totally partly her fault, partly your fault. And it's just a good thing to notice. Like, where else do I let this happen in my life? Where else do I let people walk all over my boundaries and then get pissed about it? Because that's mostly what happens, is that we teach people how to treat us, we teach them to treat us actually pretty poorly, and then we get really mad at them. So the other thing you can do is say, like, firm, hard boundary. She's not going to like this. That's me pounding my fists. Firm, hard boundary is if your uh, portraits are not if the deposit's not paid by X date, your portraits will be deleted because you're violating the terms of our contract. Done. Easy. It might mean that you don't make a sale here, or it might mean that you get paid in full because she realizes you're playing hardball. Either way, you're taking away the gray area where she's dicking with you, and she either pays or they get deleted. The end. Jen says... I was following up with all prospects and I've never had one move forward with booking me. It seems like if they don't respond to my initial response to their inquiry, they're not going to respond at all. What are your thoughts on this? First, if you're following up and no one is booking you, there's something wrong with that email that you're sending in the meantime. So consider that if you're sending, um, they say, what are your prices? And you send like a 72 page guide to pricing, um, that's overwhelming. Consider that if you uh, they send something and you send just sort of a canned response that they can tell you send to everyone, that that can feel a little off-putting. So you want to make it a little bit personal. You want to be super engaging about asking questions and tell me more and what would you like and how does that feel and what's going on. And then you want to follow up even if they don't respond to that initial inquiry which again, we talk about in introverts at work, which is giving them a time frame. Okay, so you have 48 hours. If I don't hear from you, I'm gonna contact you again just to check in. So it's telling them, I'm gonna keep checking in until you give me a yes or a no, but saying it really nicely by saying, I'm just gonna check in in 48 hours to make sure you're okay, and I'll see you then. Cool? So eventually, that gets a yes or a no just by virtue of wearing them down. Totally cool. Uh, but, but my sense is, that if you're sending out any sort of a pamphlet that's like, oh, that's 82 pages, it's just overwhelming. And when people are overwhelmed, they choose to not make a decision at all. That's been psychologically proven through study after study after study. Lori says, what if your client doesn't want to share you? They want to keep you for themselves. I've had a few clients who feel like I belong to them. So here's the thing. Um, that's totally an okay response if they're not getting rewarded in any way for sharing the, the gospel of you. But if they're getting rewarded for it, I doubt that they'll keep you to themselves. So if there's like a $100 Amazon gift card in it for them, they're much more likely that if it's just your goodwill and blessings coming to them, if that makes sense. The more you can reward people for doing what you want them to do, the more likely they are to do that thing. Amber says, tips for getting better at phone calls. I'm deathly afraid of the phone and I know I've lost business because of it. Firstly, that is completely addressed in a whole separate section of uh, introverts at work. So brandcampblog.com slash introverts at work, promo code moneymaker. Um, secondly, we talk about a thing called disciplined extroversion, which is as an introvert, engaging with people takes energy, a very specific kind of energy. And so if we can say, okay, this is going to take energy from me and I'm okay with that. So I handle all phone calls on Mondays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. First off, you've scheduled it so it actually happens. Secondly, you've given it a finite amount of time so it isn't just lurking in the back of your mind all the time. And thirdly, you've said, I'm going to do this regardless of whether I'm scared of it or not, which is an inherently professional and lovely thing to do. 
And then from there, um, you can totally say, you know what, I just need five minutes of your time to cover this and we're totally gonna talk. You can schedule phone calls, that makes it so much easier to get on the phone. Um, and you can reward yourself afterward in any capacity you would like. Like, I don't care if it's like ice cream naked in the bathtub, fine, great, lovely. Um, give yourself a reason to be like, that's the hardest thing I do all week, and I get a reward afterward. Totally cool. Michelle in Minneapolis says, when you suggested scheduling one promotion per month for a year, were you thinking the same one, as long as it's working, or offering a different promotion each month? So consider if one of your favorite companies uh, just gave just ran the same promotion every single month like on the second Tuesday you can save 30% on this item it's going to wear quickly it's gonna wear thin very quickly and you're going to anticipate it and then stop paying attention to it the idea of a promotion is to get you attention so it's not such a good idea to just offer the same promotion month after month after month after month the idea is to switch it up, to be relevant to whatever's happening. So your offer in December, not gonna be the same as your offer in May, and to be specific to where you are in your business. So if you have two portrait spots in June versus 10 portrait spots in January, you offer something different because you have different um, booking space and capacity to fill. So you're constantly tweaking. You make a general outline of your marketing calendar for all of time. And then you go specific and you tweak it as you go along. So if you've suddenly booked out July, August, and September, then in June we're promoting October because that's our next available time. You don't just stop promoting for three months, you add in a bonus so that there's a reason to book for that far in advance and you can then predict your cash flow that much more easily. Michelle says, for folks who offer more than one type of product or service, do you feel strongly we should offer them under completely different brands? I've considered it, but the amount of time and effort to manage multiple brands makes my head want to explode. The answer here is how close are they? Are we talking like lawn ornaments and disposable diapers? Or are we talking like fine art portrait prints and portrait photography? How, like, how, I, so if, how big is the disparity? Because the bigger the disparity, the more likely you are to need separate websites and brands. If we're under a single umbrella, like this is all my paintings, and then some of the paintings are realistic, and some of them are more impressionistic, and some of them are prints, and some of them are originals, dude, that's all one umbrella. If you're like, actually, I'm torn between being in a punk rock band and being a crochet mistress and teaching classes online about that, two different brands. So it's just how far away they are, and then how thin is the thread that combines them. And the thinner the thread, the more likely you are to need two brands, or three brands, or I don't know how many brands you want to have, Michelle. Go for it. And then Kim said, you're so right, thank you. She's totally walking all over me, no more exceptions. I'll email, leave a voicemail, mail her a letter, saying I'm going to delete the images if I don't get a deposit by June 5th. That, Kim, is good boundaries in action. So it isn't always this... Uh, it isn't always reactive. It might be better to be proactive about this and say, I'm in charge of this and I'm going to control this situation to the best of my ability, which is again, boundaries. Uh, and then G says, I know you're strapped for time, but what did you sell online that gave you all this knowledge? That would be um, ghostwriting for a bunch of different peeps and uh, helping to sell about $1.4 million worth of uh, eBooks and products and programs. So in the ghostwriting capacity, I would be behind the scenes, writing marketing emails, managing campaigns, doing all the social media stuff, and then uh, helping to write the books and programs themselves. 
So I got uh, in the background of some big uh, brands, and that's how I learned sort of the, the ins and outs of uh, marketing um, to and with people uh, across a, a wide spectrum of humans. And then I make my own stuff. Um, saleswithoutshame.com is um, probably my most popular product, and that is uh, teaching portrait photographers how to sell portraits in person uh, without being afraid. And then I do dominatrixing, which is selling um, coaching and accountability to people who need to make a change or make uh, a growth of some kind in the business. And then, of course, introverts at work brandcampblog.com slash introverts at work and I teach you how to do all of those things that are required for business as a total and complete introvert which is uh, what I am and what I do. I also had a portrait photography business for a number of years and I had to choose at some point between having that portrait photography business and the book deal I had just signed. I have a degree in English and in education and so I chose the book deal. To absolutely no one's surprise I chose the book deal. <laughs> Uh, so lots of behind the scenes and then a bunch of uh, being in front of people as well to get this knowledge. And it's been, uh, Brain Camp just celebrated its sixth anniversary. Um, so it's been a while is the, is the honest answer of me uh, doing this and learning everything there is to know about uh, the lovely world of the onlines and selling. And I still don't know everything, shit. I mean, it's, it's constantly changing. Um, but I do find the whole process fascinating. A couple more questions here. Anne-Marie says, here's my problem I've had in regards to getting paid. I've still yet to come to terms with, and it's still a problem. I've been in business for about five years, and the struggle is real even now. I'm a portrait photographer, and I live in a small town, the kind of place where if you don't actually know someone, you've at least heard of them. The issue I have is the awkwardness of price. I'm not cheap, as I've priced myself to make a profit. The issue is, since people know me, or know someone who knows me, um, they believe I'm less expensive, or ought to be less expensive than I am. I have a friends and family price due to this, which I had to raise my real pricing to accommodate for. It's messed up, and I have never been able to shake this horrible, awkward feeling. I know my numbers. I've been studying pricing for years. I know I'm worth it. However, another issue plays into this, and that is new photographers that charge so little as they are just starting out. I think the belief is a portrait session should cost around $100 with all the files. I'm more than the 1K range for that, so a thousand bucks, so I'm 10 times more expensive than what most people believe they should pay. I'm shocked. I see the shocked look on people's faces, even with the discount, and I'm worn out with trying to explain why I'm worth it. Then sometimes they don't book with me, and it gets awkward socially. I'm so much happier with clients, I don't know. So, couple of things here. First, only work for people that you absolutely adore that you would work for for free. That is a very short list. Four or five people maximum to think, if they don't pay me anything, am I still going to do this work well and joyfully? Those are the only people that should get your friends and family discount. Everyone else is full price. When you are stuck in a gray area, eliminate the gray area completely. Okay, Republicans are very good at this. You make it black, you make it white, It's that's the choices. Okay, this is a black and white issue. This is There's no gray area whatsoever. Politics in general will do that eliminate that gray area that there isn't oh well are you sort of a friend or family but you know someone who's a friend so you get the discount so that just never ends so give them this is the price this is the fans and friends and family discount that I give if I am willing to work for you for free and for everyone else there simply isn't one 
Now, you can make a friends and family package that is slightly less than your regular package that'll make them feel like they're getting a discount, but that isn't a substantial or significant one. For example, giving 10% savings versus 40% savings, still a discount, no reason to feel ashamed of that, it might ease the transition as you go into making this like a, a very clear cut, you are friends and family I love, you are everyone else, done. Uh, if you need further clarification there, Brene Brown would say, who are your hide the bodies friends? If you kill someone, who do you call to hide the bodies? If they are not on that very short list of people, they don't get a super duper discount because that helps make it even clearer. Cool. The second thing is, so first off, you're putting a lot of words in people's mouths in terms of people should pay $100, I'm $1,000, I'm 10 times more, how do I justify that? Um, it's worth doing it with social proof, saying I've won this award and this award, I've been featured in this magazine, I've received press from here, here, and here, I've been recognized here, I've been interviewed here, I have this many years experience, I'm in this professional organization and this professional organization. So a bunch of just accolades and like stacked. So they can see like, okay, this person is just starting out and this person completely different in terms of um, what you offer and how you offer it. Um, and then anything else you have, like I deliver things personally or I include this and another person doesn't or I just very clearly saying, okay, this is different uh, from that other person because of these reasons. So I believe that's also a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Totally worth picking up to help you delineate between there's them and there's me. This is how I convey what I need to convey. Also consider that uh, how many is enough for you each month. So if you make a thousand bucks a client, how many would you like to have each month? Three, four, five, six, seven? And then that's it. That's the only people you have to appeal to. So if you stop whitewashing yourself, which I'm since I don't know, I haven't looked at your website, I have no idea. If you don't whitewash yourself, if you have a little more personality, if you are a little bit more discerning about this is who I'm for, this is who I'm not for, odds are that you can find those three, four, five, six, seven people more easily because it's so much easier to see how you're different. And then when it comes to pricing and feelings of worth, uh, play a game with yourself, which is when someone books, I raise my prices. Um, just because it can show you that it helps to have that uh, in your corner. So consulting with a business coach should cost, I don't know what, 99, 199, 299, 399. I have no idea. There's this whole wide range. And so when you say photographers should cost this much, there's a giant range. Just like um, when you coach with me, it's $599 an hour, which is what makes introverts at work such a steal, right? It's only a little, it's only, if you use a promo code, 50 bucks more um, to get all the other stuff that goes with it. And so people say that's expensive, like $599 an hour, $599. And some people say that's actually, for what I get out of it, and based on the results I create in my business after talking to you, that's actually a steal. So it isn't about appealing to everyone, this whole business thing, and it isn't about um, people labeling you as expensive or cheap. It's about you deciding this is what I have to make to continue to create a sustainable and profitable business, and as such, this is what I will charge. There aren't any exceptions to this. I refuse to play the game of berating uh, my competition. Uh, I'm just going to be the best goddamn photographer on the face of the planet for the people that choose to work with me for those three, four, five, six people a month. 
And for everyone else, I'm just not going to worry about it. So part of it is releasing what you're not worrying about as well. Cool. Dana says, I recently decided to make the bold step and leave my nine to five to focus on my photography and other creative works. It's been going well, but the problem I seem to be having is getting older clients to take me seriously. I'm only 22, and whenever I work with older adults, somewhere along the line, it turns into a problem. It's usually because of price. The quality of my work is on par with my older competition, so why is it that once they hear the price, they hesitate? Or we initially agree on a price for a certain amount of work, then they ask me to do more and I charge them accordingly. That's another problem. I don't charge more than my competition, so I'm definitely not on the expensive side of the scale. How do I get people to be comfortable working with me and trusting my expertise? So I've been the young girl that's all like, uh, yeah, I'm 26 and I have my portrait studio, what? Um, I've been that person and it's not easy. People just write you off and you're just so pissed about it. Like, what are you doing? And they, um, they're like, oh, you're such a baby. And they, they will constantly push for discounts because of your age. So this, again, comes back to boundaries. Brandcampblog.com slash introverts at work. Promo code moneymaker. Boundaries. Um, it seems like you're holding actually really good boundaries, which are, this is my price. It, it doesn't matter that I'm 22. I'm actually doing really good work. And when you ask for extra work, I will charge accordingly. You're going to have to keep holding those really firm boundaries, and people are going to keep testing them. Like the raptors in freaking Jurassic Park that just strategically tested every part of the fence until they found the part that fell down. That's what people are going to do to you. That's just part of being um, in business at a young age. The other part is that you cannot appear as anything less than 100% professional put and put together. So you don't get to have the vulnerable exposés that other people can have. You have to be the person who is the consummate professional that has got your shit handled because you're 22. So at 29, you can let that go. At 39, you can do whatever the fuck you want. At 22, people are going to judge you as unprofessional because of your age. You're already at a deficit. And it's your job to convince them otherwise. That's just an unfortunate side effect of the way humans work in the world. So just know that that's something that's going to come up and that you're going to combat it uh, proactively and really, really effectively by charging appropriately, by, um, by pushing back appropriately, and by being a consummate professional. And then it'll go away as you age and you'll be like, I wish I had that problem of being 22. Mm. Someday you'll miss it. <laughs> And the last question is from Jen, who says, I feel like I've tried a good amount of various marketing ideas, incentives, etc., but none of those have produced much at all, the incentives especially. And good ones, like me including makeup with a session if a client books within a week. I've tried the ideas you've listed in your marketing section. I feel like I'm out there being creative with these things, more so than many creatives, but they aren't going anywhere. What the heck? So first... Uh, your attempts at a marketing idea might not work the first time. It might need to be iterated, meaning uh, I've tried this out, it didn't work, or got just one response, I'm going to tweak it, I'm going to try it again. So just because it doesn't work the first time doesn't mean it's never going to work. Think about the first time you had sex and think about the best time you had sex. I guarantee that those are not one and the same experience. So you can iterate, you can improve on these concepts, and they can get better with time is the first thing. So if you're trying something out, fuck it, that didn't work. Trying something out, fuck it, that didn't work. You're gonna run out of ideas really quickly, you're gonna get really frustrated, and you're gonna make your clients think that you have like freaking ADD. Well, that's the first thing. 
The second thing is, if you're taking my advice and other advice and you're trying out and trying out and trying out, there's something to be said for what do you personally want uh, to give to your clients and would you personally book the offers that you are providing? So when I talk about, you know what would get me to book? Yeah, I added an hour with the person who created the program. It's fucking awesome. I would personally book introverts at work right now at this moment. And so I'm okay with putting it out into the world. Would you personally book the thing that you're offering to clients at this time? If the answer is no, and like deep down in your gut, don't lie to me right here. If the answer is no, then that's your problem. If you're like, yeah, I don't care about saving 10%. Fuck you. I want to save 30%. Do it. If you're like, yeah, I don't really care about makeup. I really care about this thing. Then do it. If you're like, yeah, I care about makeup, but what I care about more is that I get all the files included with, for one price and I don't have to worry about it or think about it. Okay, cool. There's your answer. The other thing that's really interesting and from a word nerd perspective, pay attention here, is a book called uh, by Hallie Ho Sally Hogshead called, uh, there's one called Fascinate and there's one called How the World Sees You. You can get one or the other, really doesn't matter. You can take this test online and it helps you uh, understand how the world sees you and perceives you. So my people are attracted to me because of uh, two things. One is rebellion, uh, which is now called innovation, which just means I'm like, fuck it, I do it differently. And uh, passion, which means whatever I'm doing is imbued with this sense of like, this is really important, pay attention, I'm having fun here. If I tried to market using mystique, which is all like, I'm teasing and you can't know me, I'm an enigma, I'm a unicorn wrapped up in a mystery, it wouldn't work. And if I tried to use alert, like your business is tanking and you're losing money and you're going to be homeless by next Tuesday, it wouldn't work unless I was doing it ironically. Uh, if I tried to use prestige, like you want to be part of this elite group of people, there are only three of them and you could have this just like you could have your Louis Vuitton handbag and your super duper $3,000 outfits. It wouldn't work because I don't give a shit about those things. I tend to be super casual, super open, super everyone is welcome, which is the opposite of prestige, which is only a few people can have this. You're probably not one of them. So it could be that you're using the wrong kind of uh, innovation or fascination tag to get people to you and that you don't know why people find you fascinating. And so it makes everything about your marketing different. Um, especially if you're trying to use a dormant one like prestige to be your front runner. Like I could never market prestige. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I can't charge more money just to charge more money. I'm not really good at that. Um, and I'm not good at, uh, I'm not good at the part where I draw a circle around people and say, only you, only you people are invited and the rest of you know. Um, I do draw a circle around like everybody that thinks pink hair and swearing are awesome. Like come along, come to the party. Very different from, um, there's a fence. You probably shouldn't try climbing it. You, you're probably not worthy. Um, so just, that's worth looking up. Sally Hogg said, fascinate. Uh, the other one, if you need help asking for help which is pretty much everyone I know. Uh, it's called The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Those are my super word nerd recommendations. So I have just spoken for quite a while and here's what you need to know. It starts soon, people, like next week. Brandcamplog.com slash introverts at work. Promo code moneymaker will uh, take care of you in that department. Take a hundred bucks off. It is the cost of a talk, an hour long talk with me plus 50 bucks which makes it 649 with that promotion code and it's totally and completely worth it. 
Um, you will rehab your business copy. You'll come out as more you, you'll come out with a marketing calendar, and you'll come out with a different perspective on what makes you fucking fantastic in this world and this lifetime. Thank you so much for listening, for participating, for asking questions, and for generally being an amazing human, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. I still fucking love you. If you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, any additional things you would like to ask or talk about, I am at brandcamponline at gmail.com. At this point, I just don't change my email address because it's funny. So, brandcamponline at gmail.com, brandcampblog.com, slash introverts at work, promo code moneymaker. I will talk to you later, my friend. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.